Welcome back, everybody. This is the Michael Blum Show. Uh, we're going to be calling up our guest here and see if we can get her on the line and talk about some stuff. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Uh, we'll see what we get here. Um, hopefully, we'll have Nancy Hartwell on the phone. And we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. Should be quite, quite interesting. So let's see what we get here. Hopefully, I don't get just ringing. Hello. Hi, Nancy. How are you? This is Michael Blum from the Michael Blum Show. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing just fine. Awesome, glad awesome. Glad to hear from you. Yeah, it's glad to, to have you on. Uh, you are on the air as we speak. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you here and uh, let everybody know that Nancy, basically, uh, her past is kind of interesting because she had an acquaintance who disappeared. And she found out. Yes. Yeah, she found out that this person actually wound up being uh, uh, taken into uh, slave trade, and she has written a book. She's an author. I suggest you go ahead and you can look at the book, and it's called Harem Slave. And we do want to welcome this evening uh, Nancy to go ahead and talk to us about this whole business. Um, I think I may have had you on my show two or three years ago. I don't remember because it's, it was a while ago. And I remember just being horrified from, from some of the stuff you were talking about. Uh, people basically today in the United States don't believe that there's really a slave trade anymore other than maybe some news articles about coyotes trying to drag young girls over the, uh, you know, over the border. Um, and I, I think, right. uh, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's pretty much the, uh, the state of the art <laughs> in terms of people's knowledge yeah, about you're, this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. People simply don't want to think that this is still a problem. Didn't we deal with this like ages ago? But people, it is still a big problem. The State Department, which is not known for wild statistics, estimates that there are more slaves on Earth right now than at any other time in human history, between 25 and 30 million worldwide. This is still a big problem, and if we close our eyes to it and pretend like it's, it no longer exists, we're putting our kids at risk. Wow. Um, can you give us some statistics? I mean, this is actually going on in the United States, uh, that people, uh, like I said, the only thing I know about are coyotes taking people over the border. But, um... Yeah, well, that's, that's smuggling. That's human smuggling, which is a little different from human trafficking. Um, and that is also a serious problem and totally illegal. Um, estimates are that there are approximately 200,000 slaves in the United States today. Where are they? Where are 200, where, where are, Nancy, where are 200,000 slaves? <laughs> yeah, well, most of them and are. And can I buy one? <laughs> How much do they cost? <laughs> In labor slavery, like agriculture, the coyotes that you were talking about a second ago, mm -hmm. instead of ushering these people across safely across the Arizona desert, they often take them straight to slave camps where their documents are confiscated, they're isolated from the rest of the world, and they spend their lives picking strawberries or grapes or whatever it is uh, and never get paid. Uh, um, they're also slaves in, in uh, massage parlors. Um, these are usually Asians um, who are lured to the United States for, with promises of fabulous jobs and then they get here and, and they're locked up and uh, spend 
hours a day doing things that they never imagined that they would be doing. Uh, yeah, there's slavery in the fishing industry, not to even mention the sex slave trade. Um, those prostitutes you see out there on the street, very, very few of them volunteered for this. Mm -hmm. Nearly all of them have been forced into it are under threat of all kinds of dire consequences if they don't bring in 300 or 500 or even a thousand dollars a day uh yeah it's all around us and okay, and like you, i say if we close our eyes to it we're putting our kids at risk can, can you just for for uh, for the listeners sake here can you give us a definition of what you call slave because i want to make sure that everyone understands what we're talking about Okay, this is somebody who is under threat of dire consequences, is forced to do work or provide services that most people do not want to provide, and they are not compensated for it, and they are unable to leave. They are stuck. So that is the modern-day definition of slavery. Okay, so... Before, when you were talking then about slave camps, um, are there there are slave camps in the United States? Yes, um, not lots and lots of them. Well, mostly in agricultural states like California, Florida, Pennsylvania. Um, these people are kept really isolated from the rest of the world, so they cannot report what's going on. Um, all people know is that the strawberries show up in the grocery store and that's all they care about. Uh, but, but a lot, a lot of big companies in particular have been rightly accused of having slave labor somewhere in their supply chain. Okay. So and, uh, but just hold on a second. So what you're saying is that there are a few slave camps in agricultural places in the United States. <clears throat> and basically the food industry is aware of it. The food industry is aware of it, but it is very, very, very difficult to root out. And like the fishing industry in Southeast Asia, if, if your tilapia has a label on it that says product of Malaysia, there's about an 80% chance that slaves were somehow involved in that tilapia production. Um, they recruit guys from poor countries like Cambodia and promise them the world. And then they get there and they, they're locked up and they work 15, 18, 20-hour days. If they don't perform up to standards, they simply throw them overboard. Uh, it is the modern-day slavery, and, and, and there's a lot a lot of it going on that we choose to close our eyes to. Well, you know, it, it would be tough because, like, I, if I was in the store or my wife was in the store, there'd be strawberries. How would you know? I mean, there's no way to tell. Like you said, at least in the fishing yeah. industry, if it's tilapia from Malaysia, generally, which I, I can't eat tilapia because all of it's GMO and it's all disgusting. <laughs> so I, that's yeah. one, I love fish, but that, not that one in particular. That's the only one yeah, I really well, don't eat. Yeah, well, that was, that was just an example. Mm -hmm. But fish from Southeast Asia, there's about an 80% chance that slavery was somehow involved in it. Now, nearly every corporation of any size 
is accused of somehow sourcing uh, their their stock from a, a, from a supplier that used slaves. It's almost impossible to find out. It's almost impossible to prevent. Um, and so if you hear that Macy's uh, sources something that, that was sourced from um, a, a company that used slaves, it's probably true. But Macy's doesn't know about it, and even if they know about it, it's almost impossible to completely avoid. So, um, but slavery is still very prevalent in our world today. You thought by now that the human race had moved beyond that, but no, <laughs> I'm afraid not. Yeah, well, you know, there are different parts of the country and different people in, in different places in the world that think very, very differently. And I could see someone mutating this and not calling it a slave. You know, I. You know, oh yeah. I tell well, they they just think of it as 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 uh, taking advantage of somebody who's very vulnerable. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they, um, they don't pay uh, people a lot like that. We don't, they don't pay people a lot in Malaysia. So when they go ahead and go fishing, I mean, so yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, they don't realize that not pay people a lot still is a major, major difference between saying that and saying that you don't get paid anything. Um, but uh, I, I could see how some people would justify it, you know, and some people may be happy about it because they can go ahead and get things for cheap. Um, how much is this? Right, you know, right. Uh, speaking of cheap and, and price, how much does it cost to – could I like – could I find somebody and say to them, I would like a slave – and they would be able to provide one? Like, is there like a, like the slave um, exchange or something like that? Well, um, yeah. It's used to be. Organized crime. It's called organized crime. The Russian equivalent of the mafia is into this big time. They are expanding. They are extremely sophisticated about how they operate. And they are becoming more sophisticated every day. Um, you may remember the film Taken, uh, where it was Albanians who were the bad guys. Well, that was just a polite way of saying Russians. Um, the the Russian mafia is into this with talons. They specialize. They started out specializing in the sex trade with with women from Eastern Europe who are particularly beautiful. And many of them are blonde, which made them especially profitable to sell to Arabs because there are very few blonde Arab women um, naturally. So, so they were kind of exotic. By the way, a, a really good-looking young blonde can retail for easily more than $100,000. That means 10 of them makes a million. You see why people are involved in this. They, it's, a, it's an easy way to make a ton of money. Yeah, but I mean, look what you got to do to supply yourself. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, and they don't criminal. care that they're destroying, they don't care that they're destroying people's lives. They're just making money. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing to me. How did, how did you get involved with this? I don't, I don't figure you feel like being in elementary school or something. Going, you know, I'm going to write about the sex. I'm going to write about the slaves, slaves when I get older. How, how did this all happen for you? 
Well, you you did mention that I had a friend who was trafficked, and we discovered later that she had been sold into a sultan's harem in Libya. My. And that spooked me so bad because at that time I was a pretty good-looking blonde myself, and I thought, holy moly, that could have been me. And if you, I, I got to tell you, if you if you were a good if you were a good looking blonde back then, you're probably a good looking blonde right now. Don't consider age. Just we're like wine. We it's vintage. It's vintage that's important. Right, right, right. Well, well, now I'm a a seventy year old good looking blonde. There you okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have spent forty five years of my life researching this topic, and I think about my friend Ursula almost every day. And my, my three books on victims of this crime, I have dedicated to her uh, because I often wonder what kind of life she led and how she managed to survive and how she coped with this really chilling detour to her life. And... Did she survive so at all? Is she, is she still... to bring alive um, how the victims of this crime really live. Um, is, is, did she survive at all? Is she okay? What happened? I don't no. have any idea. I no haven't idea. heard from her. No, I, no idea. She just vanished. And then we heard these rumors that she had been sold into a harem, and it explained a lot. I expect the rumors were true. No other explanation. I mean, nobody ever found a body or anything. She just vanished, found her bicycle next to the road. And um, um, that, like I say, it really spooked me. And so that's what got me interested and involved uh, because I thought this this could have been me mm -hmm. and it might very well have been me. And... I don't like the way this smells, so I'm going to try to find out about it. And I have found out tons and tons and tons. I've had more than 500 radio interviews, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think we did have an interview a couple of years ago. Um, but but it's worth it's worth repeating every every couple of years. <laughs> yeah, well, things things. If you're telling me that the statistics show that things are getting worse, then obviously I'm not doing my job well. I got to repeat this a little bit more often. <laughs> um, but um, can can you give us some some of the statistics again? I mean, like I'm I'm particularly interested in like in the United States. I mean, what percentage of the population or what percent of the people here working are actually in this slave environment? Well, 200,000 people in a population of 300 million seems almost insignificant. But if you're one of those 200,000 people, um, suddenly it's very significant. Um, That's 100% uh, for you. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Uh, so, so, I mean, that's less than 1% of the population. But that's here in this country. In, in some countries, like Mauritania, for instance, it's 10% of the population. CNN even did a, a special report on slavery in Mauritania a couple years ago because people are born into slavery and they never escape. And the country has officially outlawed the practice 
but nobody's paid any attention to the laws, and they continue to sell slaves openly in markets, and um, uh, that's 10% of the population. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. So even though slavery has been outlawed almost everywhere, it is more prevalent today than at any other time. Now, most of the slaves are domestic slaves. That is to say, Chinese on Chinese, or Indian on Indian, or Thai on Thai. And most of the slaves are in Asia. Um, there are proportionately very few in Western Europe, the U.S., Australia, the so-called highly developed world. Uh, but in countries that use Sharia or conservative Islamic law, slavery is still entirely legal. For example, in Qatar, where the World Cup championship is going to take place in 2022, slavery is still completely legal. And the facilities for the World Cup are being built by slave labor. Where is world outrage here? The conditions are so bad, they have been averaging a death a day. People working 18-hour days in 125-degree heat. Uh, where is world outrage? People don't know. That's it. If you don't know, there's can't yeah, be much outrage. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. Right, right. And and if somebody tries to tell them, no, 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 this is a problem, they say, oh, forget it. There's kind of this Venetian blind effect. Like, don't bother me with that. We dealt with that ages ago. Why are we still even talking about it? Well, people, we're still talking about it for a good reason. <laughs> Yeah, it's out there and it's existing. That's you know that's crazy. Now the thing that's interesting to me though is that when people hear slavery here, they th they think about you know the white taskmaster over the black slave. And what you're saying that both most of this stuff actually it's the same person, the same people from the same country. And uh, I guess maybe that's uh, although it may be a, a kind of repulsive to us here that it, it, that basically it's part of their culture. Well. Uh, yes and no. Exploitation of the of the uh, weak and vulnerable seems to be a pretty universal part of culture. But um, sometimes I'm talking about these like Chinese um, massage parlors. Uh -huh. These are often relatives that they recruit and promise them all kinds of stuff, and it is so organized. They have some people who are specialized in getting business licenses for massage parlors that make it look like a totally, totally legitimate business. They have other people specialized in financing. They have other people specialized in, quote, recruiting. They have other people specialized in closing a parlor down if they get wind of a possible um, police raid, they, they can close down, move to the next town in two hours. Wow. Uh, yeah. They move the people around a lot so that they don't become friends with any customers who might be interested in how they got there and, you know, how they live and all this. They usually live downstairs in the basement. 
Um, they're never allowed outside. They are brainwashed, so they're scared to death of anybody wearing a uniform. <clears throat> In Canton, Ohio, this became such a problem that when the Cantonese police would raid one of these parlors, they actually started taking Mandarin interpreters with them so that they could reassure the people that they were there to help them and not further exploit them. Mm -hmm. Because they had had so many people who would refuse to say anything because they were scared to death of the police. So, I mean... Who would imagine Canton, Ohio, sure. as, you as right? Yeah, you, you don't know. think of that as a hotbed of slavery. Uh, right, precisely. I mean, but this happens not just in big cities, in rural communities, in Iowa, in, in medium-sized cities, in Ohio. Who knew? It's everywhere. That's unbelievable. Now, you know, you got me thinking because about a year ago, my uh, kids bought me a, f a foot massage at this place, and I went. Uh -huh. I went there, and had a mm -hmm. lovely massage, thirty-five bucks, uh, and it was administered. The whole place was Asian. It was administered by an mm -hmm. Asian man or a woman, I forget who, spoke absolutely no, uh -huh. no English whatsoever, and uh -huh. uh, and we had uh -huh. our, we had a little you know two for one coupon. I went with my wife. We got our, our feet massaged. What are the chances of that, that the people who were servicing me were actually slaves? Um, probably about 30%. Wow. Um, they have, quote, foot massage parlors that are open all night long. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe a, you know, you, more you than need feet a foot involved massage in. at, at, at 4 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Probably, yes. Uh yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> you got it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's, you figure uh, that out. Yeah, uh -huh. it reminded me of something crazy once where my heart was going nuts, and I had to wear this this monitor. It's called a halter monitor. It, it measures yourself, and uh, um, I decided to tell my wife that um, that the doctor said we have to have sex while the halter monitor is on. And she said, no, he didn't say that. And I said, well, actually, he did. He wants to see what my heart rate is like when we're doing that. So anyway, we had a good time. And, and when the, the doctor read, was reading through the results with me, um, he said, everything looked good, except there was this one period of time in here where your heart actually was very erratic. And so I told him, I said, uh, uh, well, uh, doc, I think I, I was exercising. And he said, uh -huh. he said, at two in the morning? <laughs> So I, so, yeah. I, so I said, well, I was, I was exercising with my wife. And he went, oh, oh I get it. I get oh, it. comprendo. Comprendo. Right. So, so the, the 430 foot massage just fits right in with that. You know, I mean, that's, that's what everyone is doing. Right. You know, you work all day. You right. got to get your feet taken care of. 30% chance. That's right. That's unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, pro pro probably, yeah. Why, why don't we see, like, law enforcement just getting more involved with this and doing things? Um, well... I, Law enforcement, they, they're doing their best, but they're understaffed. They're, they, sometimes they don't want to believe that this exists either. Now, a lot of cities have set up special task forces to fight this crime. And if your city has one, congratulations. If it doesn't help form one, because we need not only 
the law enforcement involved in this. We need everyday citizens who like say, you know, it's funny that foot parlor massage place is open at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little weird, don't you think? Yeah, so you, law enforcement doesn't always notice that. We need to 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 help them by noticing strange things. Remember that guy in Cleveland who had these three women held inside this house for ten years? Yeah, I remember the story. He, he yeah, he had locks outside the door. If now, a lock outside, that's to keep somebody in. It's not to keep bad people out. If you notice plastic bags or aluminum foil against windows or locks outside doors, you should report this to the authorities and let them investigate because this is not normal. Aluminum foil on a window means I don't want anybody seeing what I'm doing in here. Uh, and I'm I'm really serious about that. That's often a sign that something really fishy is going on inside that room. So if you notice something like this, don't try to investigate it yourself, but do take pictures if you have the chance or and write down dates and any other kind of weird activity you see. If your gut tells you something's wrong, probably something's wrong, but let the authorities know about it mm-hmm. because they are are prepared to investigate it without putting themselves in danger. Now, I'm curious, do you, do you feel that in any of these instances, you mentioned you know, like a Russian mafia before, and that usually sends a chill down everyone's spine. Are there law enforcement people that just don't want to get involved because they're afraid, or is it really they don't know? Well, both. Um, and let's be honest, there are crooked customs officers, there are crooked law enforcement people everywhere. And if you're trying to smuggle some girls to the Middle East, you you drug them, you put them in crates marked some kind of industrial equipment. If you're going to make $100,000 for each girl, if you have to pay fifteen dollars or $20,000 in bribes along the way, that's just part of the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they they find the crooked police and customs officers the the two most dishonest ports in Europe are Marseille in France and Naples in Italy that's where most of the most of the people are are funneled through um but but okay i live in tampa and there's human trafficking going on right here under our noses. Fortunately, they have set up a special task force to to deal with it. They finally figured out, hey, this is this is a big city now. This is happening right here under our noses. A lot of big sporting events take place here, like Super Bowl, like like last year, the the university uh, football championship took place here. It attracts a lot of guys, and when there are a lot of guys coming to a place, they're interested in sex, and the sex trade flourishes. Um, it, 
but like I say, it happens everywhere, not just big cities like Tampa. Sure, but, sure. But, I think, I think, yeah, I think that I think that last time we had you on, you said that there were there were like cells doing this somewhere, like in Miramar, Florida, which is relatively close to where we are. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore, or might not be, but but. Uh, well, probably. <laughs> but probably, I probably, mean, uh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, and I mean, one of the worst cases I ever heard was about a guy in Kansas who kept this girl in a cage. Okay, mm-hmm. in Kansas. Sure. Who who knew? Um, no, yeah, but to me, to me that's more like a, that's more like pervert. a lunatic. That's more like a lunatic or a pervert doing something rather than someone who's actually involved in selling humans. You know, I mean, that's a right, right, right. Different but, level of but, nuts. I mean, <laughs> right. But the like like we've been talking, the Russian mafia is really organized to do this. Now, the way they often operate, they will place an ad in an internet site that they know that young girls like to frequent. And if she shows up to respond to the ad, now they'll be for some fabulous opportunity, like a modeling job or a part in a movie or to be part of a hot new band. Think movies, music, and modeling. Whatever would would make a 14-year-old salivate, okay? Mm-hmm. So the girl shows up to apply for, quote, the job, unquote, and the, they'll ask her a question. Now, it's a two-barreled question. She hears the first part, but the real question is the second part, and this is the question. Do you have time to sit down and chat for a few minutes, or is somebody waiting for you? Mm-hmm. In other words, have you come alone and unprotected? If she says, well, my father, the karate instructor, is waiting for me downstairs, um, the interview will be very brief, and she will not get, quote, the job, unquote. But if she says, oh, no, I have plenty of time, that's okay, nobody's waiting, then they'll actually sit and chat with her for a few minutes and make her feel like she's really got a shot at this. And then he'll say, okay, um, let me show you the studio. So it's a closet. He shoves her in, locks the door, and makes a phone call to Boris or Arkady or whoever his contact is. And within hours, she's in a crate on her way to the Persian Gulf. That's typically how they operate. And they'll be sure to say on the Internet, don't tell anybody this is going to be a big surprise for your family. That's for sure. Yeah, I bet. My God. Uh, you know, that's hand-raising yeah. how, how you present that. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's hor- horrific. Absolutely horrific. But it works. I guess it does. And there, yeah, and there are lots and lots of fairly naive 14, 15-year-old girls out there who fall for it, hook, line, and sinker. Unbelievable. They think this is the, the, the best opportunity of their life, that they don't realize that it's, it's their path through destruction. But um, uh, that's, that's a very, very typical way that traffickers operate. They also like to troll bus stations, rail stations, looking for runaways. Runaways are at extreme risk 
because they're vulnerable. They need a place to stay. They need food. They need somebody to help them. And so these predators will come and pretend that, oh, I can give you somewhere to stay. I can give you food. Come on, sweetheart. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. Well, at what price? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, they were so abused at home, they ran away. Then this guy's going to sell them to a pimp, and they'll be abused even worse. Um, I, I used to work with a, 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 a rescue center in Baltimore, and it is very, very hard to help girls who have been rescued from the street because they have been betrayed Deceived, sure, so many times. lied to so many times, they don't trust anybody, anybody. including terrible. people who are generally trying to help them. Unbelievable. Right. Uh, right. I'm going to open the yeah. phones up, folks. If there's anyone out there who'd like to join us in this conversation uh, about uh, this, the current sex trade, feel free to give us a call. And the number again is 800 9900 This is the Michael Blum Show. We're talking to Nancy Hartwell, who is uh, rather expert on the current status of the slave trade all over the place. Um, uh, th thank you for tagging me, by the way, Jesse Miller. I'm just I, some things fly uh, in front of my screen sometimes here, so I gotta <laughs> have to take care of them. But if you'd like to, if you'd like to give a call here, that would be that would be great. Um, uh, are there any other warnings or caveats? Is this, you know, this happens fast from what, from what I'm what I'm gathering out of that. So I don't even know as a parent, you know, I mean, let's let's face it, 15 year old girls, 14 year old girls, well, boys for that matter, they don't really know much of anything. Uh, they have their dreams, right. and uh, you know, they're children. They're basically a children. Um, and they're and they're no match for a 45 year old member of the Russian mafia. I mean, let's face it. Um, by the way, my website, nancyhartwell.com, has a five-part course on modern-day human trafficking and slavery. All we need is your email, and it's free. Um, so so if, if you're really interested in this topic, I suggest that you go to my website and, and, and download this, this five-part course. The different types of modern-day slavery, like debt slavery, which is very um, common in India, um, the inherited slavery that's common in Mauritania, the labor slavery, the sex trade, all, all of that. It's all laid out uh, in, in a five-part five course, along with statistics and all, all kinds of other cool stuff. But all we need is your email, and, and we'll send, it, send all five pieces of it to you. Awesome. Again, that was nancyhartwell.com? That's correct. Okay, so that's nancyhartwell.com. If you'd like more information, feel free to go there. Just get your email address into Nancy, and she'll take care of that. Um, why don't you go ahead and push your books. Tell us how you, we can get some of those and how that all works. Okay. Uh -huh. Well, the flagship book of my human trafficking series, as you mentioned, is called Harem Slave. These books are based on true stories, by the way, that I've collected over 45 years. Um, and Harem Slave has also been translated into French, Spanish, and German. Um, they're available on Amazon. The, and by the way, it reached number seven in all fiction on Amazon. Uh, and that's more than three million titles. I'm very proud to to be able to say that. 
The second book in the series is the sequel to it. It's called Prince Ibrahim's Favorite. And then the third book is called Voices from the Harem. It's a companion volume to book two. It's not really a, a novel. It's a collection of 111 different stories about women who all found themselves in this same harem, how they got there, how they're trying to cope uh, um, etc. But a real glimpse into different ways of operating and and um, some of the horrible, horrible lives that that these women are are subjected to. Unbelievable. So those are the three books: right, Harem well, Slave, Prince Ibrahim's Favorite, and Voices from the Harem. You know, although this is kind of a, it's a very serious topic here, I like to always end on something that might be a little bit. Um, uplifting. Um, so I'm curious, I, I imagine that there are those slaves that do escape. Can you g give us at least one or two stories of uh, people that have gotten out of that and how that happened and uh, what's happened to their lives now? Um, yes. Um, there, my, my favorite story is about an American girl um, who had just gotten her driver's license before she was abducted. And she loved driving, and she missed being able to drive. And um, she was in this harem in Saudi Arabia where women are not allowed to drive. And so the, the irony is that they never expect that a woman would know how to drive. Okay. And one day she was carrying some laundry, and she noticed a car sitting right there with the keys in it. So she painted a beard on herself, um, took some of the laundry, changed into men's clothing, and drove off. <laughs> That's uh, what you'd call ballsy. That's great. <laughs> right. I imagine the punishment for doing that is rather severe. Oh, yeah. But um, she she managed to get to the U.S. Embassy and... Um, <laughs> and she's now working as a, an assistant to a psychiatrist in New York City. My gosh. So um, it, does, it does happen. It's rare, very rare, but there, it, it does occasionally happen, and I love stories like that. That's great. Uh, look, I want to thank you so much for joining us again. Um, maybe we won't wait a couple of years. Maybe we'll have you back. We can actually... Uh, get some action together. I always wanted my show to become something that would actually uh, stimulate people to go ahead and do things. Um, so, okay. So that would be great. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to help get the word out, and and you go, guy. All right. Well, thank you so much. And again, folks out there, if you'd like to get more information, feel free to go to nancyhartwell.com. Just like it sounds, that's how it's spelled, nancyhartwell.com. You get a heck of a lot more information that way. Uh, thanks again, Nancy, for joining us this evening.